Welcome to Subscriptions Scaled, sponsored by Rebar Technology. Join us each week to hear from industry leaders in the subscription space, share their best tips and stories, and learn how you can up-level your subscription business today. Hello, listeners, and welcome to another episode of Subscription Scaled. I am your host, Nick Frederick. With me today is a special guest. We have Kristen Toth-Smith, who is the president and COO of Furnish. Kristen, thanks for being with us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Well, let's let's dive right in. Tell us a bit about the company, what Furnish is, your role there, and uh, yeah, just a little bit of background about that. Yeah, absolutely. So Furnish is essentially recreating the furniture experience for your home. And it's really about allowing customers, people in general to create their home effortlessly. And what that means to us is not only that it sort of has this magical effortless quality of sort of showing up and being there for you, but it allows you to evolve what your home means to you as your life changes. So locations change, roommates change, uh, your needs change. Like suddenly, for instance, you might be working from home unexpectedly, Mm -hmm. things like that. And what we believe is that your furniture and your decor should change with your tastes and your needs over time. And you shouldn't have to commit to big bulky things that you have to move around that cost a lot of money just because that's the the sort of existing model for being able to to access these things that you need. So we felt like there were a lot of things that were just broken about the furniture industry, the lots of money down, lots of bulky moving, lots of staticness or commitment to the furniture. And we felt that there needed to be a different way. And while there's furniture rental out there, what the way that we approached it is really thinking about what do customers need and working backward, where a lot of the existing furniture rental from yesteryear has been about business-to-business relationships and corporate apartments and Mm -hmm. short-term rentals and things that are more utilitarian and business-to-business contracts versus how do you make a really great customer experience for the end consumer. So that's what we do. We're uh, headquartered out in LA. I'm up in Seattle, actually. Our two first markets were the big general LA area, the big general Seattle area, but we expanded into Ventura and Orange Counties. We've got a couple more expansions we're excited to announce in the coming months. Awesome. So how how old is the company? Like how, how long have you been around? Yeah, we started in LA in the summer of 2018. So okay. we're, we're coming up on three years here. Yeah, yeah. Well, certainly a large market to start in there and covering a lot of land mass as well. Have you, have you seen some challenges there even coming into a market as big as LA to launch with? Well, the good news is that there are a lot of people who have very dynamic lifestyles there. And so the customer base is there. But, you know, I think I can say this coming from Seattle, but anybody from LA would tell you the same. There's a lot of traffic there. And like you said, it is sprawled. And so in order to, you know, make sure that we could service our customers, it's been definitely a journey for us in terms of, you know, how do we create our routes for our delivery teams and how do we make sure that we add in service areas as fast as we can, but without sacrificing that customer experience? Sure. Tell me a little bit about like the subscription experience for a customer of yours. So they can go to the website, right? And kind of pick out the furniture that they want, kind of build their own package, shoot your own adventure kind of thing. Is So is it is, does the subscription product itself look a little bit different for each consumer? Absolutely. And, and you nailed uh, one of the things that makes uh, what we do tough to do well, but it's very much like any e-commerce experience where you're almost shopping on a website 
finding the things that you love, putting them into your cart and then checking out. But what's different is that you choose the amount of time that you want to have these items, at least for your initial subscription. And I'll tell you about the kind of post checkout experience after that, but it's because it's very flexible and kind of interesting, but it looks a lot like an e-commerce experience, except instead of just the quantity of the dining chairs that you want, you are also choosing how long you want to have them. So right. you can choose a subscription that goes for two months all the way up to 12 months and you have the option to renew as much as you want to if there's something that gets there and it just isn't quite right for you you let us know within three days we'll swap it out for you for free mid subscription you want to add something we can add things to your order the end of your subscription you can renew you can swap things out you can have us move the furnished items that you have into okay. a new apartment or you can say, I really love these pieces and I want to apply all of those payments I've made to buying out this furniture and actually just keep those. So there, it's commitment free, but with all kinds of flexibility. That said, it's very much like an e-commerce experience. And so no two subscriptions are alike for us. Yeah. Well, flexibility, while great for the consumer, can certainly create operational headache. So how do you deal with the, you know, your technology engine that handles all of these different products, you know, their availability in the warehouse, and then is the pricing change based upon the, the term that they're signing up for? Yeah, so the pricing, I'll go backwards from what you asked, but the pricing does change. So the longer your term, the lower the monthly payments, because we offer free assembly and delivery and pickup and all the you know, waste dunnage removal for you. Obviously, the shorter your subscription, the, you know, the, the more we have to try to recoup on that per month. But because unfortunately, those things aren't actually free, as UPS <laughs> or anybody else will tell you. But yeah, so the pricing changes, but you can choose two to 12 months. And then the flexibility, like you said, yes, it can uh, wreak havoc. And in fact, we haven't been able to find any kind of off-the-shelf software that's been able to either power the front end and the customer-facing things that we have to do, like charging you properly and allowing for those changes. Just none of the off-the-shelf things were the software platforms that we could find, even some that had recurring payment abilities, were able to deal with the changes and the fact that every subscription is different mm -hmm. and that they renew at different times and that they had different <laughs> billing dates. And so we've had to really build a lot of that from scratch and we're constantly working on that platform. Likewise, on back end, you know, the thing that really provides a lot of complexity there for us is that it's not like an e-commerce experience where we receive product we sell it and then we ship it and hopefully we never see it again. These are all our assets, even though they're not in our warehouse. So we, we're we building out our warehouse management and inventory management systems ourselves because even after doing a pretty exhaustive search of inventory and warehouse management solutions, we couldn't find anything that would even get us halfway there hmm. that could gracefully deal with you know, being able to track a particular item and know that it's been out to three different customers and it's been repaired in these ways and that like, you know, we're nearing the use, the expected useful life end or things like that. So yeah. it's really rich, mm -hmm. exciting data, but we're having to build a lot of the platform to operate off of it ourselves. Yeah. Well, speaking of back end there, you know, is the majority of your billing to credit card, DDA, what types of payment methods are you accepting today? Yeah, most of them are credit cards. Yeah. So you have inevitably to deal with declines, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which, <laughs> which can... And, you know, what we're doing is we're saying, 
give us a couple of hundred dollars and we'll deliver to you in a very white glove fashion, thousands of dollars worth mm -hmm. of furniture. And so mm -hmm. chargebacks or future declined payments for the, the subscription can be really problematic because, you know, we've taken sort of a risk on you. And that's been a really big, I mean, no startup really tackles those things on day one usually and right. that's kind of hit the right time to do that over the course of the last years to put more intentionality around what is the right process for authenticating our customers and how do we identify potential fraud use cases and then you know how do we make sure we have a really good collections process to follow things up so that's been exciting as well yeah so you're in a very different situation than i would say the average subscription merchant is in and, and that, you know, if you're Netflix and you're streaming and they stop paying, you just turn them off, right? It's, it's exactly. that easy. Uh, you are in a very, very different situation of there's a physical good that is not in your possession. You want to keep the customer first, I, I you know, it, keep them paying and keep them a good customer. But it, if it really goes south, you can't just turn them off and cancel. There's there's more to be done there, right? Exactly. And, you know, we, we don't love to do repossessions, but we do have customers that get into different financial situations. And again, we do, I mean, we're so focused on the customer and creating this magical, amazing experience. We want everybody to feel great, regardless of what happens with our, our experience. But there are times that we, you know, sometimes just have to pick up the furniture and say, all right, let's part ways. But you're right. There's, it's not as easy as turning off your streaming subscription. Right. So there's obviously a couple incumbents in the market that have been doing a similar type of service for really decades. How do you guys see yourselves differentiating there and reaching a different type of consumer? I can tell by the goods themselves that you're you're targeting a very different consumer, but what, what else are you doing? Yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head. So I think a lot of, of the differentiation between us and the legacy furniture rental folks are that we are just engineered from the customer's perspective backward. And that starts with the product. So we wanted to have not just utilitarian pieces, but pieces that you would really love, that you'd want to have in your home, that you'd be really proud of, not just the ones that will sort of do for the short-term situation that you have. I think the other thing is all of the flexibility and convenience that I talked about with swaps and returns and early cancels you know, the ability to buy out, the ability to, you know, extend or have us move you. And so those are things that, again, because we work with the end consumer largely directly, then we're able to just to say, like, what do they really need? Whereas I think some of our legacy competitors, they do things that really focus with relocation companies and multifamily housing operators and other businesses. And so they're working with those businesses on a longer term deal, and it, it is just more utilitarian. So I think the product really differentiates us, our service and the flexibility that we give really differentiates us. And just our approach to the customer experience really differentiates us. Yeah. Given that that target consumer of yours, certainly probably more tech savvy online type of consumer, what channels of marketing are you seeing to be effective, especially through you know the past year being <laughs> very different and very online? Yeah, yeah, we've definitely, I mean, we're still growing and learning. So I don't think that we figured everything out yet. We do rely very much on digital marketing channels and the performance ones that you would expect in the Facebook family family and Google families, you know, we have a very beautiful product and great 
imagery and so that helps us with digital ads we also have been working on ways that we can tell our story through video or audio and we've done a lot of experimentation of out of home as well and so we kind of think of our marketing programs of the evergreen which continues to have experiments within them and, and evolve over time as we learn how our customers react to our ads and those are really those digital platforms from Facebook and Google, but we've also, you know, we've got new channels like Pinterest, we tried Reddit, we're doing Snapchat. So there's a lot of those digital channels and we're also trying to say, how do we maybe cut through some of that digital noise that you have in your life and reach you in your home? So, you know, direct mail, uh, billboards, the it's some of the things that, that you, uh, you would expect from an out of home play. And, you know, we just launched a, uh, really fun contest because uh, we're doing our first expansion in a while and around that not only are we marketing it but we've partnered with a bunch of influencers in the area that are going to all sort of light up in a few days so that's going to be really exciting too is to to get some of the more brand oriented messages out there there's an immense you know, network of people who love home decorating and, you know, changing their homes and they are really good at Instagram and they've got, uh, you know, really engaged followers. So we also work with influencers um, for people who are moving or upgrading or changing. And it's been really fun to do that as well. Interesting. Uh, when it comes to the the actual customer acquisition, like getting them to getting that new first new subscriber customer to to come in the door, have you guys played with different offers to entice them to buy? So you know, free month or you know, rent a couch, get an ottoman. <laughs> I don't know those, those type of offers. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we we have definitely gone on a big journey with promotional codes. And, you know, we do just at times throughout the year, promotional, bigger promotional things like, you know, Black Friday, for instance, President's Day, or, you know, things that are around different times of the year. But we've also been really building out our CRM to be able to understand where the customer is coming from, what, what actions they've already taken, when is the right time to give them promotional value, how do we present that. We are working on some other things that's not just, you know, dollars off, but we also have, you know, some other things that are sort of in the works, hopefully to do some of the other gifts with purchase or get the matching X with your Y. And so those hopefully will will be launching soon. But we, you know, I think this is something that we're constantly experimenting with. And we probably always will be because once something works, it only works for a certain amount of time. Is your business entirely direct to end consumer? Or are you working with any small businesses or, or offices as well? Yeah, we do have two customer acquisition channels, kind of big buckets. One is the direct to consumer, but we have a partnerships team as well. That team is out working with multifamily owners and operators who have apartment buildings, even single family building operators who have multiple houses. We work with some short-term rental types of folks. So those that are doing corporate apartments or Airbnb, where we can be the furniture solution for them and they can match some of their cash flow with their income. We've worked with some companies who, especially now, have people who are working from home and needed a, a better office set up for their homes. Yeah. I'm trying to think of some stagers and realtors who are helping a home look nicer as they're, they're showing it. So a whole host of really fun partnerships that are happening on that side as well. We're still 
focused on the direct-to-consumer product and experience, and that is today at least the majority of our business, but the partnership side is definitely growing and something that we expect to continue to grow and and be a big part of our business. Yeah, great. Fantastic to have that diversity, right? To not not be relying on just one channel uh, or just one way to reach a consumer. Sure. That's definitely good. We touched on it a little bit, but talk about how COVID in, in the past year, you know, obviously a whole lot of more people working from home. I'm sure that presents some opportunity for, hey, I could use a new desk here. But just, you know, people just being at home are probably looking at an old couch and going, hey, I could use something different. So what have you seen that do to your business? Yeah, you were spot on. So I think the most immediate need was, you know, there was probably there were a number of people who spent just a couple of days working from their couch or their kitchen table before they said, I probably should actually get a desk here. And so we saw a huge jump in our office furniture demand in that April, May, June timeframe last year, you know, over 3x demand from what we were seeing before in the home office stuff. And then as time went on and people were spending more times in their house or in their apartment, and, and it was becoming not just their home for after work, they were realizing that they wanted to use their homes differently. So either they were like, I need to upgrade my couch or they were like, you know what, eating at the kitchen counter when I'm now doing three meals a day isn't quite enough, so maybe I should get a, a dining table and chairs. We saw them adding a lot of things that really cozied up their place, so our decor, like throw blankets and rugs and throw pillows, things that would actually make it feel a little bit more homey, a little more cozy, and just you know, be that place that you wanted to spend 24 hours a day, seven days a week. But we really did see both the utilitarian of like, oh gosh, now I have to use this as a school for my kids and an office for myself. And, you know, all of the things that I'm used to, or, you know, suddenly they had a new roommate who moved in because of a change in their life where they had to outfit what might've been an extra room as a bedroom. So we saw those like utility types of changes, but we also saw, saw people who were upgrading and just wanting to invest a little bit in making their home feel better. So I would assume, you know, because you present or fulfill digital or physical goods as opposed to digital goods, being able to forecast demand, right, is pretty critical to your business, right? So that you have the right number of items sitting in the warehouse ready to go when when someone wants to choose it. Talk about how you analyze that data and account for things like COVID when they happen and, and you know, try to make yourselves more future-proof. Yeah, I wish that we could say that we were perfect at that or that we saw COVID and the the uh, <laughs> the things that came from that uh, ahead of time. But I will say that the way that we we operate is a little more just in time. And what COVID did, we were very lucky. We already had a really good handle on who our suppliers were and what their supply chain looks like looked like. So we weren't having new conversations when March and April hit last year. But, you know, it, it forced us to get even deeper into what does your supply look like? What does your factory look like? How, how are the ports kind of impacting your supply? And we got squeezed here and there, but we were able to maintain a pretty just-in-time approach to our inventory, which is good, obviously, for our bottom line. And it didn't put us into too much risk of like guessing wrong. So yes, we want to get better at forecasting. We really look at like, what has our near-term demand been? And what is the seasonality curve that we think we understand? And mm -hmm. what are the inputs into like promotions that we might be running or, or new partnerships that we might be bringing on? But really, we're just looking at what is the 
past demand been in the upcoming weeks? How long does it take us to get new items from our different suppliers? And then we have sort of a target inventory level that we're we're managing to. Gotcha. So given that your your business is obviously subscription based, but a, a bit of a different model, talk about some of the metrics that are most important to you. I mean, you know, new joins and and monthly recurring revenue, churn rates, things like that, everybody pays attention to, but you seem to have a different twist on some of those metrics. So what, what are most important to you? Yeah, we've gone through a lot of different iterations. And in fact, that's, we look at a lot of different metrics. I think you, you know, monthly recurring revenue, renewal churn is super important. We've also just been breaking out, like looking at our contract value. So what contract value has been added as new customers? What contract value has been renewed? And then, you know, again, like churned out. And so that is also helping us understand how to think of things because it is, it's so different with the different sizes of orders, the different durations of orders. So contract value has also come into play for us. I mean, we look at our unit economics as well, and we we look mostly at the inputs of that, you know, the cost of our deliveries, the percentage of the furniture that we're having to buy new versus being able to refurbish and use like new, you know, the efficiencies within our warehouse, et cetera, and then what our, our product margin is as, as we work with our, our supply chain and find economies of scale there too. So unit economics, uh, as well as, you know, cost of acquisition and all the things that everybody else looks at as well. So, you know, obviously the, the furniture itself, these these goods are, are the core part of your business, but there's a website and there's, as you've talked about, some complexities with, with I'm sure, billing and, and customer management. How do you then choose the right technology partners or technology platforms for your business? Because, um, I, you know, for, for anyone, in, and especially those that are starting up today, you want to concentrate on the things that are core to your business, right? In your case, furniture. So, and kind of commoditize other things and find the right partner. How do you do that and vet out the right partner for you long-term? Yeah, well, like I said, we haven't been able to find like full partnership for the entire suite, even on the, you know, customer facing side or on our back end. And so, you know, what we've been really trying to do is to say, what are the pieces that we want to make and control ourselves because they're unique or they're, they're somewhat proprietary or you know something that's going to be part of our special sauce going forward that we want to be able to control. And what are the things that we don't need to do? Like we don't need to build our own payment processing, for instance. And we don't necessarily need to build our own review collection service. And we don't need to you know, build out our own attribution service. We may need to build out data collection and data platforms to feed into that and to get information out of that or data and knowledge out of that. But largely what we've had to do from the beginning is really think like a technology company. And I think, in fact, our founders definitely were thinking that we were going to be much more of a technology company kind of coming in because so much of the effort at that time was about how do we get this off the ground? We've got to kind of code this from scratch and figure out where we plug in really solid pieces of the platform by, you know, purpose built things like payment processing and things like that. But I think over time, the way that we've started to think about it is like the technology is super important for us, but it needs to almost be this so clever that the customer doesn't even think about it. That's our goal is to, to be a technology enabled customer experience that's super delightful and doesn't seem like it has a lot of technology trying on the back end behind behind the experience. 
I, I like to a lot of times refer to this as the Uber effect, but what they did so well in, in their experience, I think, was put payments and billing into the background, right? That the consumer, once they get set up, can kind of forget about it, right? It's it's click, click, I'm in a car and I get out and I'm charged and I don't really have to think much about it. I think with, there would be a lot of value in that, you know, kind of on-file relationship that you would have, payment method on-file with your consumer that they could go, you know, I've been staring at this couch for six months. I don't like blue anymore. I want green and, you know, click, click, and then can have something else. That's awfully powerful. Exactly. Well, Kristen, this has been a, a fascinating conversation for me. It's a very different kind of subscription business with some very unique needs, and it's been great to hear about it. Thank you for sharing all that that you have. Where can users go to find the company and, and get in contact with you if they have any other questions? Yeah, absolutely. So our, our website is just furnish.com. We spell it F-E-R-N-I-S-H so that we're a little unique there, but you can find us online and uh, of course, all the social media that you might want to find us. And then I'm just Kristen at furnish.com. So feel free to reach out. Easy enough. Well, Kristen, thanks once again. Really been an enjoyable conversation and I trust our uh, listeners enjoyed it as well. Likewise. Thanks, Nick. It's been great chatting. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Subscription Scale, sponsored by Rebar Technology. If something we said today resonated with you, please subscribe, rate, and download our podcast and share this episode with your network. 